This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast. Here in the den, Nick Max and Noah Grant here recording on Sunday, October 22nd, recapping the previous weekend here, Nick. I I suppose before we get to men's and women's hockey, which um, I I guess if you want to be theoretical, took um, three of five total over the course of the week for the men's and women's team combined, um, which is better than 500 if you're doing math, which we try not to do a lot of here. But nonetheless, some things to dissect on both sides of that. Um, One team may be looking a little bit stronger than the other out of the gate, and it's hasn't been the team that has been accustomed to being in that position. If you're talking St. Cloud hockey, let's just put it that way. Uh, before we uh, get to that, though, speaking of other St. Cloud hockey, Nick, it's not often you give up only two goals in regulation and lose two hockey games in a row. The St. Yeah. Cloud Norsemen lose two against the Minot Minotauros. It was great to see you over the course of the weekend, Nick. Uh, how were the travels and uh, what were you up to this week? <laughs> <laughs> what wasn't I up to? Oh, my gosh. Um yeah, so junior hockey uh, took the long bus ride on Thursday up to Minot with the Norsemen on a. I swear that bus must have been the same bus used in the film of Miracle. I mean, it had that same, <laughs> it had that same body style and everything. Although, ironically, the bus ride up was more comfortable than the ten thirty at night to five o'clock in the morning, five thirty. That was tough, but uh, yeah, no two close games up there at uh, Pepsi Arena. Uh, Thankful again to the Minot staff, especially Ken Oda, uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. Always great to work with that media crew. Um, throughout the games, I actually joined you for a couple of pregame shows, which is always kind of fun. You don't really get to do that often in junior hockey where you got yeah. broadcasters that you know are essentially trying to elevate both of their teams. And you know, it's it's a friendly, you know, competition. And as you mentioned, uh St. Cloud probably maybe slightly the better team on Friday at times, and then yeah. just couldn't really put it away. And then shall we say that uh, Minot steals it in the shootout and you could see the emotions coming from St. Cloud. They knew they let one slip away. And then 
Saturday after, shall we say, half your team came back from suspension. Uh, that helps, <laughs> yeah. um, especially when it's your second line. Uh, you could tell St. Cloud was just not the same team. Uh, they were thoroughly outplayed in that game. Uh, kept it close. Uh, again, the goaltending for St. Cloud, both are netminers are just unbelievable. Uh, Max Wieland and um, i trying to remember the other. Brian Manzella. Yeah, Manzella. Both played yeah. out of their minds both games. And as you mentioned, two goals on the weekend for Minot both end up being game winners. And for St. Cloud... Two to one aggregate score, right? And you lose both hockey games. That's it's about as close as it gets, but at least you're not the last place team in the central division. So we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, certainly not. Although North Iowa did beat Aberdeen. If you're a if you're a Minot fan, that was a, a welcome surprise considering that Minot essentially took five out of six on the weekend. They lost in overtime against Bismarck. Um in a game that Ironically enough, the only Division One commit out of all the goaltenders we listed was Stephen Peck, Stephen Peck, who's going to Michigan from Bismarck, and that game was 5-4. So it was a much – kind of a weird feel through all three games. But, no, it was a lot of fun. It would, I, this, both the St. Cloud games were really good, really good hockey. Yeah. That that Norseman team is not a bad team. I, I would say very, very defensively sound. They like to play a physical game. Um, and if you're in the Granite City and you're not going to a Huskies game, I would definitely welcome probably going to a Norseman game because that they, um, I, I, the Central Division one through five is within a stone's throw of each other. It's like three to five points separating uh, yeah. all of those in that mix, and they're all very good teams. It, like you said, it's really only North Iowa that's really kind of struggled as of late. But no, it, it was a good time. I, I think that you know, as you alluded to, um, I think there's certain staffs throughout the Central Division in the NHL that really try to work hand in hand i would say bismarck and austin would be two great examples of teams that do that um don't really know the new north iowa guy yet so can't really speak one way or the other the old one who used to travel really sucked though yeah <laughs> it was um, yeah that was nick that was nick in case uh, anybody didn't get that and 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 miss that reference and then uh um aberdeen always comes down that's always a big scrap too i've i've had a couple of conversations with their crew and they're a nice crew i just we just don't talk to them much i think is probably where i would go with that but nonetheless three really great hockey games and a, a really fun weekend nick got to got to take you out to some food places too as well and um no caleb he didn't buy us dinner so we sorted no. that out we sorted that out a year ago so i think we're yeah, good now but that uh, dead, so <laughs> um yeah that is, that is a long bus drive and uh in the meantime kind of through it all we were watching uh four games of Huskies hockey over the weekend. And then Good one work. women's one women's game early on in the week that uh, um, I would say, even despite the score, which is a wild thing to say about that game still was a very great showing in addition to that score, which says a lot about the teams that we're going to talk about uh, as always. So we're going to start on the women's side as we do with Sunrise View news and notes presented by huskiesillustrated.com and the soda pod. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Alongside Nick Maxson here, uh, recording at the start of the week here, uh, late on Sunday evening, Nick. Um, and it was almost a week ago that the St. Cloud women's team got right back at it after playing some hockey games. And uh, it was a showing that I would say all things considered the Huskies should feel good about. I mean, even if you don't garner points necessarily, um, a very good matchup. And overall, a week for this women's team that has them sitting 
actually tied with Minnesota Duluth at six points apiece, um, tied for fourth place. Um, Minnesota, meaning the Golden Gophers, have nine points, and then Wisconsin and Ohio State, 12 apiece for them. Mankato, Bemidji, St. Thomas, yet to register any sort of WCHA points yet this season. Uh, so, Nick, um, before we get to the women's team, I, I suppose we could probably pull up the WCHA standings here in general and talk about the week. Um, as we're alluding to, though, when we circle back to the women's team, the women's team did get started with the Gophers on last Tuesday, and it was a very good contest. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, WCHA-wise, um, maybe some things that we expected, um, but maybe some things that are slightly surprising. We'll get to that. First of all, Ohio State beats St. Thomas 6-2 on Friday night, then Saturday 7-1. No real surprise there. That Buckeyes team, very good team there. Uh on the other side of things, uh, Wisconsin beating Bemidji State 4 nothing, maybe a bit closer than we would expect it. I would still say even though Bemidji, for all of their offensive struggles, still has historically played a pretty sound defensive game, and they try to keep you in it at least through 40 minutes and, and kind of reevaluate once they get to that point. So that's kind of their their approach to the process there. They lose 8-1, unfortunately, on Saturday, though. So Wisconsin, the Badgers kind of uh, coming Adjusted. out. In, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one that I, I thought was kind of interesting uh minnesota duluth winning 3-1 and 4-1 on the weekend in mankato nick uh, and we talked about the strength of this duluth team and not to say that outscoring your opponent 7-2 in the aggregate is not you know a bad weekend by any means um but it i i guess it just maybe to me early on and again we're going off of box scores we're going off of early season play a lot of these things could change i don't know uh, early on i guess i would say that Duluth is necessarily the team that is necessarily out of reach for the Huskies. Like maybe we anticipated entering the season. I think one through five in the WCHA and specifically maybe even three through five in the WCHA could be a bit tighter than maybe we thought even at the beginning of the season. Well, let's, you know, go right back to your point. It's early, right? Um, I, I think every team is still trying to find their legs a little bit. Um, again, you, you know, we'll talk about this more and got the same cloud, you know, it's just a completely different team in terms of mm-hmm. how they're playing the game. And so I, I don't read too much into it. I think Minnesota Duluth on paper is still a more stacked roster. I think they have more potential in that department. And who's to say that, you know, some of these early opponents, right? Sometimes, you know, things aren't clicking again. You got, new players on the roster, maybe new line mates. You're trying to figure stuff out. Uh, so I'm not that worried about it. I'm not sure if that's, you know, Monday morning quarterback, you know, type discussion. Right. So as, as much as it appears that way, no, and I know that, you know, we break these down week by week. It's still early um, uh, for me to, to really, you know, shall we say, put the lever down and say, yes, Duluth isn't as strong as you want to say it. But, you know, shall we say that, I think the conversation is more to St. Cloud women's to say that there is a slight door that's open there that if they can continue to, you know, shall we say kind of transition their game the way that they have been. Um, maybe it isn't as far of a gap as we thought. Um, they're going to have to probably get a couple of things to go their way, but Duluth's still a strong team. I'm not too worried about it. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? No, I, 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 I know it's easy to kind of look at these box scores as, as we, you know, are looking at them right now and say, okay, seven, two, maybe we thought it should have been worse, but again, it's early. And uh, I don't know, you know, things are different every year. 
Well, things are promising here. We mentioned uh, the Huskies, of course. Uh, they've played only three WCHA games, as have the Gophers. Everybody else has played four, and I mentioned that for a specific reason. St. Cloud, like I said, tied for fourth place, but they have one game in hand actually on Duluth right now. They have a 6-6-7 winning percentage. Duluth is 500, and the top three teams, of course, have not lost a game yet. In fact, Wisconsin, um, goal differential of plus 26, 27-1 to is their WCHA goals for goals against. That's pretty good. Um, And then Ohio State, uh, 20 to 5 for their differential. Minnesota, they've only given up one goal and they've scored 14. Um, There's only one team that has found the back of the net against that Golden Gopher team this season. We might get to them in just a few moments here, but kind of gives you an idea. The Huskies have put themselves in a good spot early um, as far as the women's uh, program is concerned. Well, let's talk about them right now, shall we? Of course, the women's team, like we said, in action on that Tuesday and what a hockey game it was. And, and, I, and I think yeah. even though that the final, of course, Huskies travel down to Ritter Arena, play the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who ultimately are 5-0-0 after the weekend. They lose 2-1. And it was a great showing. Uh, the Gophers did not score a goal until the second period. Ava Lindsay um, from Emily Zumwinkle and Emma Kreitz uh, at the 8.05 mark of period number two. I mean, it took almost half a hockey game for the Gophers to even get one in the back of the net. Taylor Stewart adds an empty netter with less than a minute to go. And then with five seconds left, Avery Farrell, her third of the season from Clara Himmlerova and CeCe Bull, we got the Huskies on the board to uh, essentially really was a one nothing game. Really? All, yeah. all, th- all things considered, if you take out the, you know, the last two, of course, with the one with the extra attacker um, shots, 31 15 in favor of the Gophers. Not the greatest for the Huskies, but I also, I mean, that Gophers team still was a very good squad. Eight to four was the first period, 12 three in the second for the Gophers. So they really started to make a push in that middle frame. And then 11 eight, things kind of narrowing back up again in period number three. Both teams 0 for four on the power play. Face off wise, Huskies did not look strong in the dot. They were 21 for 59 in the dot. But again, um, things to clean up. One of the best teams, not only in the WCHA, but in the, in the country still, let's be fair, a top five team, I would say at this point. Um, Nick, Jojo Choback stops uh, 28, excuse me, 29 of 30. Um, and Skylar mm-hmm. Vetter stopped 14 of 15. And her shutout bid was ended five seconds before the end of regulation. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's kind of <laughs> tough. I, I, I think all things considered, um, you maybe would have liked just that extra little bit, that extra gear in this hockey game. And I think this group is capable of it. But as we've alluded to, it is early, and I thought it was a fantastic showing, especially with the quick turnaround and the fact that you've got two more games at the end of the week. Well, not only that, Noah, but when you can look at the talent difference, and you know this is not a knock on St. Cloud by any stretch, and more, it's more of just to compliment that the Gophers have just had, shall we say, an embarrassment of riches for as long as they've had, right? And let's just say that in years past, when you go into a matchup against the Gophers, and again, this is not a shot at St. Cloud, but let's just say the expectations are quite different, you know, going into a matchup with the Gophers. And granted, you know, you can look at the face-off dot, you can look at shots on net. The fact that you were statistically out of this game, but kept it close, this is that next step in that transition to being competitive head-to-head against the Gophers, right? Is that is, you know, Second period again, long change. This is where historically the Huskies have struggled against these top scoring teams like the Gophers, like Wisconsin, where you maybe get pinned in your own end, maybe for a couple of minutes at a time. And then when you finally are able to get the puck, either maybe you make a decision to ice it 
if you're lucky, you can get to the red line, dump it and get a line change. But this is where teams like the golfers take over games is in that second frame. Right. And if you can limit the golfers again, you mentioned a 14 to one, that's a plus 13 goal differential and you lose by a single goal. You got yourself a chance, right? Sometimes yes is how you steal a hockey game. This is how he did it last year. So yeah, I mean, the stats don't look great, but I think if you're Brian Idolsky, you know, you would take being down by one shot anytime against one of the best teams in the nation. And yeah, always stuff to clean up. But I think you'd be pretty happy with that, knowing that you have to play the golfers a bit different. And yet you kept yourself within essentially one shot from a tie hockey and maybe even a W. Yeah, absolutely would agree. Attendance 1602 in that, so a good crowd on hand as well, which is always great to see down at Ritter Arena. Nick, I, I think the most encouraging thing here is St. Cloud didn't stop their momentum. We mentioned the Gophers, including their empty netter, get two on the Huskies in that game. St. Cloud didn't allow a goal the rest of the weekend here. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Lind was listed as an extra forward. She played, of course, uh, a fair amount of minutes in that game against the Gophers, but was kind of her last game before I think they felt that she was truly 100% and ready to go entering uh, the course of the week and weekend, so to speak. Huskies beat Northeastern on Friday, October 20th. Two to nothing was the final score. Attendance of 322. Um, this, of course, was the icebreaker tournament uh, that we alluded to a couple weeks ago. Uh, Nick, how about this? Katie Kaufman, her second of the season from Avery Farrell and CeCe Boldy. Nasty at the, goal. Yeah, had this, at the 927 mark of period number three. Then Clara Himlerova, her third of the season, an empty netter with uh, just over, under 40 seconds to play in this one. Shots 30 to 21 in favor of the Huskies. Uh, they were outshot 8-7 in the first, but then... 14-4 was the big margin. They kind of pulled the Minnesota Golden Gophers, essentially, in this one. Um, yep. Dominated the middle frame, and then 9-9 in period number three was a great hockey game, all things considered. 0-5 on the power play. You'd like to maybe see them capitalize once on, on special teams, but they uh, stopped uh, both penalty kills that they had on the other side against Northeastern. Faceoffs about even. They were 24 wins, 27 losses, so just under 500. There, again, always room for improvement in, in that area, I, I would say. Um but then again, this is where you started. To, we talked about Taylor Lind uh, ended up having a shot and was plus one and started to kind of get back into form fully over the course of the weekend. First one against Northeastern in net for the Huskies. Um, Sonia Hola, 21 of 21. Uh, she's pretty good at this goaltending thing. Straight shutout to open the season. That is still continuing a program record. How about that, Noah? And yeah. now with Chobak getting her first shutout of the season, that's five shutouts already in the season combined for the Huskies. So again, is that good? uh, It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, what does that say? Right. It says that although they're trying to play more offensive and we see the scores, right. They're putting more pucks in the net. They're not doing so sacrificing having that strong defensive structure. So, I mean, when you talk about Idolski and what he wants to be in this team moving forward, right. He's doing it, not at the expense of defense. He still wants that identity there and he's still doing it right. So it's not like before you're winning games 2-1 or maybe one nothing, and now it goes to 6-5, six, 7-6, seven, six, right? That's never the transition you want to see. 3 nothing, and was it 5 nothing again on Saturday? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, this is this is how you want to see that, you know, evolution of a hockey team being more offensive, and that is not losing, um, again, that responsibility and more of that effort on the defensive side of the puck too. So this is exactly what we want to see. Yeah, would definitely agree. You mentioned Saturday the Huskies took care of business 5-0 against Lindenwood was the final score there. Um, of course, scoring was all Huskies, in case you haven't garnered that one, including uh, <laughs> a, a natural hat trick from Clara Himlerova um, at the oh, 805 yeah. mark of period number two on the power play, 224 
period number three, also on the man advantage. And then at the 1449 mark uh, at even strength, Clara Himmlerova getting, I think, what would be her fourth, fifth, and sixth of the season, if I can That's if right. I can do something at the top of my head. Katie Kaufman, multi-assist game for her. Taylor Lind, tallied an assist. Ella Onik, Laura Zimmerman, Sophia Sundlin, all assists on those. In the first, Husky score a pair of goals, including 11 seconds into this one. Devin Millwater from Alice Surreal. Um Got the Huskies on the board and CC Bowlby with about five minutes left from Taylor Larson shorthanded. So, I mean, they made up for the special teams, you know, that they maybe wanted on Friday night. It certainly was very evident as far as uh, Saturday was concerned. Um, I mean, pretty dominant performance, I would say, tip to tail. I'm trying to get the, um, the shot charts here. Of course, this one, this box score is not listed the same as the other box scores. So as far as shots on goal for Lindenwood, um, they ended up having 34 shots on goal, which is no slouch uh, by any means. No, so no. nine shots in the first, seven in the second, 18 in period number three. So Lindenwood trying to push at the tail end of this one. Huskies 13, nine and eight were actually outshot 34, 31 in this contest. But uh, nonetheless, Jojo Choback, like you mentioned, saw all 34 against her and was perfect through 60 minutes. And the Huskies through two games were perfect and through three were pretty darn close i would say seven and two on the season um we mentioned the best program start or best start in program history i would imagine this continues that trend statistically um we talked about brian idolsky's ideology here nick um and we talked Mm -hmm. about his style kind of showing through in his second season um i'd say it's working to start the year (laughs) yeah and uh I mean, before they even took the ice, right? You saw it in the moves that they made in the transfer portal. Uh, some of the recruits that they're getting, right? It's, oh my gosh, there's some speed and skill on the offensive side coming, right? Um, and that was the big question, right? And that is, okay, you've got on paper um, a different makeup, right? But can you get them to execute it? Um, that's always the question mark when you especially have a coach that was known for defensive prowess, um, essentially a strong penalty kill, and um, taking a team that essentially tried to not do anything outside of what they were capable of. And so this team with their new makeup now has the ability to not only counterpunch, but to drive possession, to be the catalyst and offense. Right. And so, you know, the pieces are coming together. Right. And I think you've got to give so much credit to this coaching staff. And that's also to, you know, past recruiters like Mira um, Ueluso, right? Uh, the current assistant coaches, right? You, you can't give enough credit to Janelle Sergey, right? Who's yeah. stuck on this program for as long as she has, right? I think that's a name that's probably not given as much credit as she probably deserves. Um, because, I mean, really, imagine this team under second year Idolski trying to do what they're doing right now, but not with the names that they have, right? It's just, it's not the same. So um, I, I just think, again, like, it's just incredible what we're watching in terms of the transition. Yeah. And I mean, got to give credit where credit's due. This coaching staff up and down has done an insanely good job. And again, from the trances and the the new tra- uh, freshmen coming in who are out there actually executing the game plan. Hell of a start of a season. We'll just put it that way. I don't know how much more simple I can make it sound. It's just yeah. it's incredible. It's been a great mix. You know, we love the numbers here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Let's throw, let's throw some good ones out there. Why don't we? Huskies yeah. are undefeated when scoring first. Um, they've lost both when the opponent has scored first. So first goal, clearly pivotal um, for them in their contests. Um, they've only been outshot once this entire season over the course of eight contests as well. One and one in one goal contest. So, I mean, they're 
They're giving themselves a chance every night. 16% on the power play. You'd like to see that improve a little bit, I think, but 86.4% on the kill. Certainly very good on the other side of things. Plus 15 goal differential, 22 to 7, including an 11-1 difference in period number three, Nick. Um Pretty good. I would <laughs> say that's not too bad. Plus 77 shot wise, 241 to 164 for the Huskies in terms of shot differential. But here's the thing that really stands out for me, Nick. Conference wise, 3.0 goals for 1.33 goals against. If you keep that consistency, you will take that any day of the week. That'll yes. buff out very well in the aggregate. Overall, this season, 2.75 goals for Nick, 0.88 goals against. That is, we mentioned goals. We mentioned goaltending. Um, again, I, I'll go back to my previous point. I think it's working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to say it to say it lightly, and you know they kind of did it differently this past week. They had a whole start on Friday, um, only because of I think the Gopher game, right? Kind of yep. had the tandem go back and forth. So for those maybe wondering why that was, they're just really switching back and forth. And then uh, Cholback gets the start on Saturday. Well, obviously. They're not tied to a certain day of the week because they still continue their prowess. So uh, Friday, Saturday, doesn't matter. They're not tied to one of those days. They just, uh, as long as they get their matchup and they're looking good, teams playing well in front of them. And, you know, that's the other thing that we got to, you know, commend to, right? It's not always the goaltender. Um, granted, they're both good respectively. So not to take anything away from their performance, but I think themselves would tell an honest reporter, right? That, hey, you know, I'm getting good help in front of us too. The shots that I'm seeing are coming from, shall we say not high danger areas. Um, I'm also, you know, seeing them clean. I'm not giving up any rebounds. And when I do, they're being swept to the side. So overall, great to see those numbers for the goaltenders, but more so a good reflection on the team as a whole and the structure they're playing. Yeah, certainly would agree. The top two goal scorers for the Huskies, uh, top three, I should say, um, Clara Himmlerova with nine points in the season, six goals, three assists. CeCe Bowlby has five, three, and eight. Mm -hmm. And then Katie Kaufman, more of a puck puck distributor, two, six, and eight for her. Top two goal scorers uh, for the Huskies, Himmlerova and Bowlby, 20.7 and 25% for their shooting percentage right now. So finding the back of the net very much so. Um, Ella Onik has seven points and then, Avery Farrell with six to run out your top five. Three Huskies have five points, um, three have four, and then you kind of start to go down the list with a couple more that are garnering points here. So certainly very good individual-wise as well, too. For this women's team, they get right back at it as far as uh, WCHA play here. They play Mankato. You talked about the litmus test of Duluth playing the Mavericks. Now the Huskies get them, and both games uh, for the sets for Duluth and now St. Cloud upcoming on the 27th and 28th respectively will both be in Mankato. So on the road, Huskies play at 6.01 central time on Friday, the 27th, 3.01 central time on Saturday. So two games that obviously would be a tough test before they get Wisconsin the following week. And then they'll have a week off uh, before they essentially play St. Thomas and then have another week off for the Thanksgiving holidays. So uh, four game stretch here for the Huskies before they get some rest and recuperation, which like you said, Nick could be a good thing or bad thing, depending on how this team is trending, but all eyes certainly on this team that is now six and two overall and two and one in WCHA play. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I guess the last, the last grouping has an update. Yeah. It has, it hasn't updated as far as the score. It's actually the Saturday game. It's actually yesterday's game that hasn't updated as far as the website that I'm looking at. So, um, yeah, but with that being said, we're going to flip over to the men's side here. Um, men's hockey, a little bit of a different story. I would say, um, Friday night, 
score wise, obviously look better than Saturday, but uh, again, a couple of underlying things that we'll hit on uh, throughout both of those hockey games as well. Before we get to that though, um, overall men's hockey, um, Michigan State took care of Canisius to start off our week on Thursday. Um, Friday night slate, Michigan, um, 7-1. They beat Ohio State the first night before playing to a draw last night. So that was kind of a big spread to start things out. Big one if you're an NCHC fan, Providence 4, Denver 3. And then Providence was almost upset by RPI yesterday. And Denver barely squeaked by BC that Saturday as well, too. So it could have been already are pairwise implications there, but could have been a a little bit more disastrous for Denver, potentially a team that easily, I guess I shouldn't say easily, but picked early on in the season to maybe take a one seed into the NCAA tournament. If they play the way that a lot of people expect them to Penn state beating uh, AIC three to two, that was a tight contest and AIC actually uh, the next night on Saturday, if I can find where the score is, um, Yes, they beat Penn State 6-4, to four, so a split for AIC and Penn State in that one. Um, NCHC team CC ended up um, sweeping Long Island 4-2 and 3-2 over the course of the weekend. Um, Mankato and UMass went back and forth this week as well, too. Minnesota Duluth survived a scare in night number two against Bemidji State. They were down 3-0, ended up winning 5-4 in overtime, so again, couple of other high-scoring finishes Friday night. It was 4 nothing for the Bulldogs, so they made it look a lot easier in night number one compared to night number two. Um, Gophers, North Dakota, uh, 4 nothing. The Gophers take home this one with a pair of late goals on Friday. And then Saturday, uh, North Dakota held on for a 2-1 to advantage. And I, should, I shouldn't even say held on. North Dakota was the much better team on that second night. They had a very good showing against the Gophers. I know a lot of us had eyes on that game, Nick. So, um only other scores, uh, I guess Western Michigan ended up beating Bowling Green this weekend and Michigan Tech as well. Wisconsin had a couple of victories, including one over Tech. So, again, teams continuing to to trend very well. Notre Dame and BU trading wins as well, 4-1 and 8-1 either direction. So, any other scores or anything that stands out that you felt like you wanted to talk through in that round, Nick? It'll, it'll get a lot easier for us. When we don't have so many non-conference mixes and I, we can see them by conference, it'll be a lot easier to kind of nail down some of these scores in a quicker rundown. I mean, not really. Um, just because, you know, I think you hit the big ones. Denver, right, um, yeah. was the big one. How about uh, BU? Mm-hmm. Uh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> kind of ran, ran away with the score there. Was that Saturday's game, right? Yeah, 8-2. Eight eight two. Two. Yeah, 8-2. Yeah. After losing 4-1 to one to a Notre Dame who's been up and down to start the season. So beyond that, I know I think we covered the ones that I think most people paid attention to. So um, but I think what we need to talk about is maybe the scores and and maybe the pairwise, because I I just checked men's hockey not sitting in a great spot in terms of the pairwise after these events. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get to the pairwise at the end of this here. I um, also I guess one more to note here on Saturday, UNH New Hampshire actually ended up beating Quinnipiac in overtime 5-4 as well too. So other score that we might want to pull out of this one. Um, the Huskies, like you mentioned, men's hockey, um, bit of a different weekend for them. They're two and four in the season right now. Um, yeah, they win on Friday night, four to one against Alaska. The Nanooks came to town, um, and it was great to see an Alaska team, you know, be back in the building and, and make the travel to. Uh, the 48 contiguous states, so to speak. 
Um, I'm not going to comment on their uniforms, but uh, mm. hmm, uh, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, Huskies do their job in the first game. I mean, 34-13 were the shots, 10-3, 7-7, Good push to the finish there. Huskies opened the scoring with three goals on those 10 shots in the first period, one for five on the man advantage and did not let Alaska score on five opportunities. Vieti Mietnin, his second of the season, Mason Salquist, Kyler Kupka, five minutes into the period. Then five minutes later, Nick Ports, good to see him get his first in a Huskies uniform. Barrett Hall, Grant Sean tallying helpers on that one. Then Vieti Mietnin, a multi-point first period, had an assist as, as well as Kyler Kupka, two assists in the first period. Adam Ingram, his second of the season, uh, just before the end of the period with 21 seconds remaining there. No scoring in period two. And then in the third, Alaska gets one back at the 10-14 mark. And three minutes later, Joey Molinar, second of the year from Dylan Anhorn and Adam Ingram, pushed the Huskies to a 4-1 victory. Dominic Bassi stopped 12 of 13. Um, yeah, Nick, I mean, it was uh, maybe what, what we were hoping, uh, you know, to become accustomed to, at least to start the season, attendance of 36-26. And St. Cloud, um, you know, got out to a hot start. Shooting-wise, we're able to find some scoring chances in the middle of the ice, which is going to be a key discussion as we move into the next night. But, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of maybe left Friday, Nick, I would say, as a Huskies fan, feeling all right about yourself that they were maybe, you know, back in the right direction, at least for that first game. Yeah, I think, you know, it helps when you're up 3 nothing at the first, right? Yeah. Um, this this team, as we've seen early, and again, you know, we can emphasize the word early yet just because, yes, there are definitely some things we'll break down that are concerning um, that need to be cleaned up. There's no question about it. But um, when you get three goals in the first, you know, I, I, this team is just different when they're on the board first, number one. Number two, when they have a lead, they play just a different style. And I think... Uh, we're going to talk about how, you know, this team, if if they can get a multi-goal lead and, you know, just, and I think part of it is the youth movement and we'll definitely touch on that a bit. Um, they're just much more comfortable and much more in the, in a cruise control setting than shall we say a closer game. And then I think, again, that's more indicative of a younger team that has spread throughout this lineup, especially in the Ford group. But yeah, if you're a fan, I think you were happy to see that three, again, three, nothing. You end up, you know, walking with it pretty comfortably at the end of it. But I still think there was hungry hunger there for the Huskies fans. Again, um, I think if you were a fan, you wanted both of these games. Um, we'll talk that Saturday was not the result you probably wanted nor wanted to see. Um, so I think there, I think there's still question marks from a, from a fan's perspective in terms of where this team is and who the heck they are. But after Friday, probably feeling decent, and then you were just hoping for a repeat performance on Saturday. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Yeah, it was not the case. Lineup card getting a little bit more consistent for the Huskies, but uh, yeah, the scoring wise, like you mentioned, definitely not. Vietti Metin did open the scoring. We had to wait until period number two. By the way, I should mention in, in the first game and also actually both contests, the Huskies were above 50% in the faceoff dot. On the second night, they were 29 wins, 23 losses. So doing better in the faceoff dot at least, but possession did not lead to results in this second game. Vietti no. Metin. Opens the scoring with an extra attacker. His third of the season, Zach Okabe, Warren Clark at the 522 mark before Alaska. Four on four and a power play marker at the 1204 and 18-19 mark. And all of a sudden, Alaska was suddenly ahead entering period number three. Kyler Kupka gets one back, his second of the year on the man advantage. Vieti Mietin and Dylan Anhorn at the 1138 mark, able to tally points there. And from then, 
quick strike offense within the next five minutes, actually next six minutes, Brady risk had two power play goal, empty netter, of course, was the last one. And all of a sudden, Alaska um, turns a four, two lead into a five, two finish with the empty net tally. So Nick shots, 12, 11 Huskies in the first Alaska kind of came to play a little bit more in the first 20 minutes, 14 to six St. Cloud had the advantage in period number two, despite being down two one after the middle frame. And then 13, nine St. Cloud had the advantage for a 39, 26 uh, tally. Now shots are great. Nick um, having eight power play opportunities is really great. When you go one for eight on the man advantage, give up two power play goals against on five opportunities for the Nooks and your 39 shots largely seem to be coming from the perimeter or getting blocked. If you're on the man advantage. Yes. Suddenly a four to two uh, slash five to two loss kind of hurts a little bit more when statistically you should have been better, but the eye candy test didn't really match uh, the score sheet. No. And you know, we talked about this before the show. Um, to me, it's the details, right? It's those small details. And we talked about, especially in the power play, uh, we were watching uh, the second game live before um, the St. Cloud Norsemen were playing the Minotauros, right? And some of the things that I noticed, right? Uh, one, um, on the power play, shots were getting blocked up high from the essentially the quarterback position. That cannot happen. Um, you know, as a defenseman there or whoever is at the essentially the pivot position, your one job is if you're going to shoot the puck, you have to get it through. Now, if that means that it's maybe off the net, sure, but it cannot get blocked. You cannot have a shot get blocked because, hey, you're the only safety valve, number one. And number two, you can't have a puck come out to the neutral zone that forces everybody back. That's crucial seconds ticking off. And number three, you're not testing the opposing goaltender, right? So, you know, I didn't remember who was getting those shots blocked. Um, usually Anhorn, from what I saw, was getting his shots through. But uh, again, those are small details. Number two, um, on the defensive side, right? On the penalty kill, you weren't blocking shots, number one. Number two, it seemed like uh, either, I think it was Dominic Bassey that was in for both games, seemed to be yep. reacting to shots late um, and rebounds were there. So, you know, it's these details that I know Brett Larson talked about it with us during our time there that will probably drive him nuts. Partly reason he's probably balls because he's probably pulling his hair out <laughs> for some of those games. Honestly, you know, in the second game though, I mean, it, it was, it, those are the types of shall we say small things that make a big difference that drives a coach nuts, right? It's those small things. And, you know, when we talked about youth earlier, again, if you look up and down the lineup, there's freshmen in a lot of the top nine, you know, slash roles. And, you know, those are going to be some of those, as Brett called, you know, you know, this growing pains, right. And, you know, as, as a team that lost some veteran presence, especially in the blue line, right. Spencer Meyer, uh, Brennan Bushy say what you want about maybe their offensive prowess. They were really good defensively. Um, and, you know, just didn't maybe were flashy, but did what they had to do in the back end to keep things, um, in front of them. Um, I, you're definitely seeing some growing pains from say Warren Clark and, uh, was it Caleb Thiessen too, also on the back end? Um, so I don't know, you know, am, am I crazy? Or did you see some of the same things uh, from this Husky squad and just, uh, and, you know, maybe some things that got away with on Friday? Because again, when you're up three nothing, I think some of those kind of get overshadowed. But in a close contest, um, you know, this is where, you know, a stick check here, you know, funneling a puck to an area there, those can make big differences. Did you notice the same things? 
Yeah, uh, Warren Clark and Carl Falk, actually. Carl Falk playing his uh, former team for the Nanooks. The lineup card actually didn't change for the Huskies. Back end, Jack Peart, um, Mason Reiners, along with Jack Peart on that top pairing. Dylan Anhorn, Josh Lidke, listed as the second pairing anyway. Uh, Cooper Wiley and Warren Clark and Carl Falk, the extra defensemen. Kyler Kupka, Mason Salkwist, Joey Mullen are your top line. And then Vietti and Werner were actually together throughout the course of the weekend. Zach Okabe flanking them on the right side. Adam Ingram, Tyson Gross, and Jack Rogers, your third unit. And Grant, Sean, Barrett Hall, and Nick Ports, who I thought played really well over the course of the weekend. They were one of the bright spots in this lineup. Isaac Posh was backing up Dominic Bassey, who you mentioned. I uh, ended up having a not great statistical night with a low volume of shots on Saturday. But yeah, Nick, I, I mean, it. it's... It, it's a game where I, I feel like in years past, St. Cloud has been a team where if they've been statistically outplayed, and what do I mean by statistically outplayed? I mean where they're getting outshot, maybe they're getting outchanced, whatever it may be. You always felt like they were a goal or two away, or you felt like they had enough pushback where they were going to be opportunistic in games that maybe they weren't able to be the dominant team in and then in games where they were the dominant team even if they weren't executing to the level that you wanted and what i mean by that is if you put up 40 shots on goal you should be good for at least three maybe four goals on the night i would say a goal about every 10 shots is you know somewhat par for the course give or take the goaltender in the evening St. Cloud just didn't have that killer instinct on Saturday night. And I think that's what it comes down to is uh, they really haven't had a group um, similar to what they have for the past couple of years. We mentioned guys like Yami Krenel and Grant Cruikshank last season, guys where Brett Larson could put them out for 20, 21, 25 shifts a game, depending on special teams, whatever it may be. And they were usually good for one. You know what I mean? And it's like, they don't really have that grouping right now that I think he feels like, okay, they're going to be our offensive catalyst. They're going to jumpstart us. They're going to get that goal back that we need. They were good enough on Friday. The stats matched the production early on in that game. Huskies get rewarded for a great start. Nothing wrong with that. Saturday, bit of a different story. And Huskies fans, I think, even though it's disappointing that the, that St. Cloud is well below 500 right now to start the season, it's almost a good thing because – these early losses are revealing some of the innate deficiencies in this lineup that need to be cleaned up right now. They've got to find somebody who's going to be willing to kind of take charge with offensive production because it's only been a handful of guys and you can't, you know, I would say Vietti Mietnin has had a great start to the season. Barrett Hall has looked all right on the back end. It's been Dylan Anhorn, you know, who's brought his production in, but it's like, you can't rely on two or three guys only. Um, you know, to be those guys. And we just had the conversation. I just said they don't have anybody that stands out. Those guys come to mind. But last year it was Yami Karnala, Grant Cruikshank. Then you could name a wave of like five or six secondary guys that were also adding that production in. So it you felt like within your top nine, at least, that you were, you were good for a couple a night. You get lucky, maybe get a fourth line who pops one occasionally as well too. Defenseman puts one in the back of the net as well. You felt like you had enough of a multifaceted offensive approach. St. Cloud this year right now is missing a little bit of that. On top of that, what we saw previously last weekend against Mankato is when they do have guys out there that predominantly do offer offensive production, they're having these moments where they're hemmed in their own zone and they're, and they're getting caught, you know, trying to essentially defend the middle of the ice and that sort of thing too. So I, it's a hard weekend to evaluate because on one hand, Friday looked more than serviceable for the most part. 
Saturday definitely wasn't the Huskies night, but I, I again, it helps a little bit to kind of get kicked in the teeth. Last year for the Huskies, it was late January, February, maybe even early March. Look where it got them. It got them an NCHC Frozen Faceoff Championship and essentially a rolling puck away from tying the Gophers and sending that game to overtime in Fargo to push themselves to a Frozen Four. That was the wake-up call they needed. Doesn't necessarily matter when you get it as long as it pushes you to play hockey at the right time. St. Cloud, we've talked about it, has been blessed with a great non-conference record for the past couple of years. Wake-up call might be as soon as the Girl Scouts come and knock on the door this year for the Huskies right now, because it's been a tough start for St. Cloud. Alaska, give credit to them. They came into a visiting building. They got the split. I think this Nanooks team, still even with what they lost gesture, is not going to be a necessarily terrible team. So curious to see what they do as well, too. If you're the Huskies, you'd like to see them be a little bit successful moving down the stretch, all things considered. Uh, I I guess, Nick, what would you kind of pull away from this weekend uh, overall besides those talking points? Um, the youth, right. Um, you know, I've said it before, but you know, one of the things that we haven't had to deal with, and when I say we, I mean the, the men's hockey team is putting youth, especially freshmen in a position where, you know, they're going to be in critical and eating, you know, minute eating roles essentially. Right. And you can kind of see that, right. Also, you know, when I, I mentioned this in episodes previous, but that connection with Anhorn and Crookshank last year, that chemistry, you don't grow on trees right and that veteran presence and i kind of feel like you know this year yes with nick ports and you know he's he's definitely a role player but you don't have you know as you mentioned that veteran presence they can go to and feel like okay this 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 is the people i can count on to go in and and do you know essentially spend some time in the offensive zone whether it's they score or not you know you kind of felt like they're always a threat right i I think vd and okabi are those guys or are trying to be those guys, but they haven't quite gotten themselves to that level yet. Um, and again, a lot of it is hard when you've got freshmen and you know lines that are trying to figure out not only their own line mates, but also trying to figure out how to play Division One college hockey and one of the toughest you know conferences in the nation, right? And yet they haven't even gotten a sniff at that just yet. So, to your point, I do agree though that really, if they're going to have a wake up call. You know, now it's how do we respond, right? So, you know, for for St. Cloud, and I think this is going to be the big test for them is, you know, maybe they feel like they need it better, right? But guess what? They get a week off. Yep. And then they have to go and it's NCHC play. And they're playing a team that, shall we say, and, and I don't know if this is too early to kind of transition. Has, this more, hasn't been bad. They have not been bad. In fact, arguably, yeah. you know, Again, non-conference-wise, they've been good. Uh, we'll see what they do this weekend in their schedule. But again, we talk about the NCHC. You know, it's going to be Miami. Let's just throw it out there. Um, every game matters, and sometimes it takes that one weekend, regardless of where you're playing, that it's the catalyst to maybe get you on the right track. And maybe for the Huskies a week off is what's needed to go back and look at film and maybe work on a couple of things. Again, one for eight in the power play. You got to do better than that. Again, some of it, a little bit more shooting yourselves in the foot, but on the good news side, these are correctable and adjustable type things that you can fix. And maybe, you know what, maybe ask you this is really the answer just to simplify it. Cause sometimes, you know, we, we hear this phrase often in hockey, right? Um, and sometimes when you're dealing with a lot of young players and a group that's trying to figure each other out a little bit, Sometimes, you know, you have this playbook, you have the structure, 
you're trying to do these different things. And sometimes you take a step back, you simplify it, you get pucks on net, maybe you crash the, you know, the, the weak side post hard. Is that really what the Huskies need to do? Maybe to find success and then maybe introduce some more different concepts down the road. I mean, what would you do if you're the Huskies coaching staff? I think it's a tale of two halves of the ice. And what I mean by that is I think the coaching staff, their emphasis for the young guys has to be on the defensive structure because you have to have some sort of structure D zone wise. That's usually what a lot of young players get caught, especially in the forward position. You get running around, you get out of position. On the other end, I totally agree with you. Simplification comes from kind of letting the horses run a little bit here. And I think that um, not to say that teams in the NCHC necessarily have a structure offensively. I think they know that guys are good enough to make plays, but I think that it's more about those young guys internally trusting themselves to try to make a play. It's feeling comfortable being a little bit selfish to step towards the middle, put a puck on that. Even if it creates a rebound, you're creating an opportunity. And I think for St. Cloud, like you mentioned, you don't want to be too cute with everything. You've got to find shooting lanes defensively on the power play. Got to find lanes to the net. And that's where the simplification comes from is trusting yourself as a young hockey player to know that, hey, I'm standing here in front of the net. It, I don't have to be doing anything crazy to be disruptive. I have to create a screen. Maybe I get a puck on or a stick on a puck and create a tip or a deflection, or I'm there for the rebound. It doesn't have to be anything fancy or flashy. It just has to be in the right position. A lot of that is like natural hockey IQ, just trusting what you know, how to go to the net. A lot of these guys, they've been the guy at their previous, you know, USHL teams, whatever it's, been or they've been one of the more relied upon players at their position trust that process a little bit especially on the offensive side I, I think that once you get guys get the feeling of scoring or creating chances creating assists you know power play even strength whatever it is guys start to feel like they can produce on their chances and then you don't feel like oh we went down we missed this opportunity offensively now we're now we're in our d zone and we can't let one in we can't let one in because then we're going to have such a tough time getting back in this game. So I, I, I agree with you in that sense where the simplification is just getting pucks on that, going to the dirty areas, simple opportunities. And, th and then it'll come where you create the chemistry, you create the opportunity, you know, and guys are going to be able to, to find the back of the net. But I agree. It's going to be a good test this week. Um, excuse me, this week for Miami, I should say, who's three and one in the season, they get Arizona state who has not lost They're four and oh, they swept Merrimack and Northern Michigan had that blowout exhibition game against Arizona. Of course, Miami lost in overtime to Ferris before beating them five, two, and they swept Canisius with an eight to three aggregate score. So Huskies will get a good look. I would say the week off maybe couldn't have come at a better time for this men's yep. hockey team to kind of reset and retool. Uh, I guess running Running through the numbers here, Nick, team-wise, obviously, three of the six games the Huskies have played in, they're one and two in them, but three of the six have been one goal game. So it's not like they've been getting shellacked every game, which I think is encouraging overall. Uh, goal differential right now is minus five, 19 to 14, respectively. Huskies still are out shooting their opponent by, thir or excuse me, 23 shots, respectively. Um but they've been giving up a goal more for per game. And that's kind of been the difference maker for the Huskies. Uh, St. Cloud has started games very well this season on the men's side, and they've slowly trailed off as games have gone on. Not typical of Brett Larson's nope. Huskies in recent years. It's usually been the opposite. Power plays at 20%, PKs at 80%, both numbers in the NCHC that they're not going to wow you, but they're usually serviceable. 
I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that St. Cloud has been doing everything wrong and that they haven't been a victim of poor timing, poor puck luck. That Saturday against Mankato, they have uh, two yeah. goals in quick succession early in the second period. Suddenly they're down three nothing. But it's just like you said, those little things, those little details that in the aggregate, you know, the hockey gods favor you if you're willing to sometimes create your own luck a little bit. Right now, St. Cloud just hasn't had a touch of that. I mean, I, I guess from your perspective, Nick, it, how much of that do you think goes into the Huskies themselves and especially these young guys still kind of finding their way around? How much of this is more like coaching staff related? And then third parameter of the trifecta, how much of this is just like hockey gods need to give the boys a bounce a little bit too? So I think to get a hockey bounce, right, you need to be good enough to earn a bounce sometimes. I don't think St. Cloud has been good enough yet to earn a bounce, right? And, you know, you talked Saturday Mankato. How about Friday? They were up to nothing. Let that slip away. That is not going to earn you a hockey bounce, right? So that is, you know, sticking to being the aggressor and being on your toes instead of your heels, right? And I, I think a lot of it, actually, I would say 80% of it is the youth. I really do. Um, here's the good news. You, ran, you rambled off stats. Only a minus, what you say, minus five on the year. Yeah. There are a bunch of one-goal games. That means they're close, Right. So it's not like, you know, the alarm bells are, you know, we're about to put the nuclear codes in, you know, just yet. Although if you ask some wild fans, you know, they're about ready to punch those numbers in, you know, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you, you can't give up 54 shots to Columbus. Just throwing no, that out No, you can't do that. So there's, <laughs> you know, um, they actually might have more of an argument for those codes versus the St. Cloud fans. So, um, so what does that tell us, Noah? That tells us that, yes, you know, I, I think it's less than the coaching staff. And again, when you've got a lot of youth in the lineup, right, it is a slow build of putting them into different situations to introducing more concepts uh, to get them to be, shall we say, serviceable, the division one level. I'm not sure how, how else to phrase it, right? Because, you don't want to throw the book at them right away because then all of a sudden hockey's played so fast nowadays that if you're thinking too much when you have the puck or before you have it, you're already losing the game, right? You have to act on instinct. You have to be able to know what you're going to do with the puck before it ever gets to your stick. Um, you have to be able to read and react. And so um, it, it's a tough position for the coaching staff because you're, you're trying to get into play Husky hockey. But again, the transition time, especially with a lot of youth, is a little bit slower. And I think Brett Larson honestly would tell us the same thing is that, you know, we're trying to build this program. We're trying to get these young guys assimilated. It doesn't happen overnight. So the good news is they're close games. The bad news is, you know, again, in years past, as recently as last year, right? Six and oh in non conference. Sometimes it's been a buoy for maybe some of the NCHC. Um, shall we say, you know, turns of fate as they had with injuries and, you know, other things in years past, you're not going to have that this year. It just isn't. But to your point, sometimes you got to go through the tough stretches early. Huskies are going to have that this year. And now, you know, can they use that as motivation and can they learn just a little bit more every week to get themselves into a position where, you know, if you're going to have your ups and downs, you want to have your ups like last year, you, you know, towards March, you know, heading into tournament time. Now, the problem is for St. Cloud, and I'm going to ask you this, Noah, uh, to kind of go back at you. And this is, I don't, you know, is there enough room right now with a two and four record where they're kind of running on a real estate slash runway to mm -hmm. have these sort of teaching moments more for their pairwise implications and more so to, you know, I mentioned alarm bells. I don't think that there are, 
you know, reasons to go too crazy yet, but I do think there's causes of concern for Huskies fans that I think are legitimate. You know, where are we at? Are we at DEFCON Delta? Are we DEFCON Alpha? Where are we at with the season? I do think, you know, there's it's gut check time when they do play Miami in a couple of weeks. I don't know, what's your gut telling you? Well, first of all, my gut's telling me that this Miami team might not be as bad as we thought. First of all, we'll have to right. see. Uh, te- if you want to be technical, Arizona State is the number one team in the country, according to the pairwise. Um, but with that being said, Huskies have six matchups before um, the turn of the calendar year, five before the holiday break. It's Miami, Western, Duluth, Michigan, Omaha, Bemidji to round out through December 31st. Okay. Um, I would say it, at least three of those series is you would like to be 500 or better at least. Yeah. Um, I would say if you get four of those six, you feel good about yourself. I think Bemidji is an opponent that they have a chance to handle Miami. Of course, historically they have um, Omaha. It's anyone's guess. Duluth. It's anyone's guess that Western team's going to be all right. Michigan, of course, is going to be good. So I, honestly, I'm kind of with you. I'm not saying they're running out of real estate, but uh, the homes are selling quickly (laughs) in Huskies land here. They've got to figure it out. They've got a week and a half to figure it out. I think Miami is maybe, maybe the last kind of litmus test for you to, to figure out what you need. I wouldn't be shocked if Western Michigan gives you a good game. I, I would like to see them take both against Duluth. I think if from a defensive perspective, that's going to be a good challenge of are we good enough defensively to win a game four to one against a team that has given up a lot but also scored a lot so Duluth Mm -hmm. will be interesting in that I would say by the time we hit the end of next month November by uh, pretty much a month from now by the time they play Michigan over the holidays we're going to have a very clear picture I feel like of how this Huskies team has kind of either resolved themselves or how long the season might be right honestly uh, as far as statistical leaders here uh dominic bassey of course has played all but 14 minutes of the 140 total for these huskies two and four and six contests he's allowed 16 a 298 goals against and an 887 save percentage certainly not good enough by his standards but i don't know that he's necessarily had help or luck on his side as far as turnovers and other things too so keep that in mind uh your uh, leader by points is uh, Vieti Mietnen, who credit him in his senior year has been everything I would say the Huskies have asked for mm-hmm. for the most part throughout the first six games. Three goals, four assists. He's your team leader in goals. Uh, tied for the team lead and assists. Dylan Anhorn has four assists as well. He's got five points, as does Adam Ingram, who of course has been a bright spot. We talked about him at the sophomore level having to produce and be effective. He's certainly done that. Shooting percentage of 25% for him. Kyler Kupka, uh, Barrett Hall, each with four points. And then the rest of the Huskies, you've got five, maybe six guys with two points and four of them with a single point. And that's about it for this group. So, I mean, you're looking for a little bit more offensively for this group as they get ready for uh, three NCHC weekends in a row after a week off. That game on November 3rd and 4th, respectively, 7.30 and 6 o'clock Central Times. That one, of course, will be at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center in St. Cloud. So Huskies could get could definitely use the energy here as they try to reset after a week and a half off. Pairwise time here, Nick, I think, to kind of round things out. Arizona State, we mentioned it, is the top team in the country right now. Uh, as far as NCHC teams, Western Michigan is at three. Miami's at four. North Dakota's at six. CC at seven. The Gophers right behind them at eight uh, for reference there. Michigan, who the Huskies will see next month at 12 currently. Top 16. 
the number 16 spot is occupied by uh mankato excuse me the wisconsin badgers <laughs> so uh speaking of mankato um i'm guessing 28 yeah Duluth at 23 mankato's at 28 correct the nanooks if anyone was curious is at 30 um so to give you some reference and then st cloud 41 right now right in between lindenwood and liu which yeah two teams that didn't really have a division one program if you go back a couple of years respectively so um there's room for improvement i think that's the the easy thing to be said here nick um do you kind of have a final takeaway for this men's team yeah i think you know the coaching staff's got their hands full yeah Um, but if you're a huskies fan and you're you know stable emotionally which can't say that you know (laughs) oh goodness um are we are we we stable emotionally? yes right um and what i mean by this you know we're not ready to jump off a cliff but you got to feel confident that you have the right coaching staff to turn around a program that is maybe struggling a bit right they did it last year um granted it's a different roster it's a different makeup i get that um but mind you you know they lost arguably their best catalyst you know at probably the worst time um, and, you know, it took them a little bit of time, but they figured it out, right? Uh, Brett Larson, he's got, you know, the blue-collar work ethic mentality. He's going to have these guys work over the next week and a half. So um, at the end of it, if you are looking for a bright spot, you have Brett Larson. You've got Dave Shyak. You've got RJ Anga, right? You've got a, uh, a very committed, yeah. uh, passionate group of coaches that uh, historically, to me, hasn't gotten enough credit that they deserve for what they have to work with and the results that they've gotten. Um, and mind you, you know, this is the second round of a wavel babies that this team has tried to endure over the past, what, four years now. So it's a challenge, but I, I think this coaching staff will tweak some things. I think they will definitely get some of the young guns up to speed over the next 10 days or so um, and to be ready for Miami, right? Because at the end of the day, they have to be. Um, yeah, we have to see improvement in Miami if we don't. Shall we? I, I don't know. You know, we'll obviously have to dissect it then, but it could be a, a longer season if we don't see, you know, significant improvement in some areas. So, am I worried? Sure. Am I ready to, you know, set sail and, you know, over into the sunsets from the season? Not yet. Uh, but there's definitely some things that need to be cleaned up. I think that they can clean them up. And, uh, you know, we talked about it before. Uh, coach staff is good enough to do it. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, you talk about bright spots. Let's not forget from January 27th of last season until uh, March 3rd, uh, I should say actually March 4th is when they started their winning streak where they started to kind of get back on track, which was that Saturday in March, first weekend in March. Um, Actually, right before they got ready for uh, the NCHC quarterfinals is what it was. Um, They had a stretch, the Huskies did, where out of nine contests, they only won one in regulation. They lost one, two, three, four, five of those nine games. And the three other victories they got, they were shootout wins. Two of those against Miami and the third against North Dakota. So there have been blips in the past where it's taken the Huskies a little bit to kind of sort out their issues and their woes. But I certainly agree with you Um, to kind of uh, counterpoint your statement a little bit. We certainly believe in the coaching staff, as we always have. We've had discussions in years past where it's like, you know, you kind of have to get through the slump. You kind of have to get through the challenges and that sort of thing. We've always, I, I think for some fans, even annoyingly so, have been more on the side of give it a chance, let the Huskies work it out. They're going to be just fine. I think I'll be the first to say that this year has felt a little different to start. This is definitely yeah. more of a 
like we're not a little bit concerned or they need to tweak this a little bit. We're a fair amount concerned six yeah. games into the season. It hasn't been very pretty. Um, but again, Nick, I'm with you. I, for an, for another month, we're not going to really know the answer to that question. Good news is Huskies have almost two weeks to figure it out, remedy it, take a look at their opponent who's playing a very good team in Arizona State uh, this upcoming week, and hopefully bring your best, leave your worst hockey in the month of October. Let's just put it that way. So yeah. um, should be good, Nick. We'll be here to cover it, as always. Episode 186 coming out next week. Women's hockey, of course, uh, back in action this upcoming week as well, too, Nick. So um, we'll have women's hockey recaps for you next week. We'll discuss a little bit more in depth about the men's team uh, as well next week and maybe think of something creative as well to talk about a team that will be off uh, for their bye week early on here in the season on the men's side. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den.